The wind rattles bare branches. The season is growing ever colder. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. Harvest season, for those that try to make the most of our short northern seasons, starts with those first parsnips dug as soon as the soil is tender enough to be disturbed with a fork in spring. Shortly after the ground thaws come dandelion greens. From then on out, it's a race of lettuces, peas, beans, corn, peppers, tomatoes, berries of all kinds, and finally, apples and winter squashes. Once these are put up for winter, the garlic is planted, and when the gardens are put to bed, most people consider harvest season over. However, for those of us that seek to extend that harvest season a few more weeks and enjoy somewhat wilder flavors, we will wait for several hard frosts before heading out to hedgerows and swampy edges in search of the ruby-red fruits of the American highbush cranberry. Highbush cranberries are also known by several other common names such as cramp bark, gelder rose, dog rowan, American cranberry bush, and, for the Latinophiles among us, viburnum opulus variety americanum. Unlike most of its New England relatives, highbush cranberries have three-pointed maple-like leaves which elegantly grace their thin, straight branches. In spring, the plant is adorned with beautiful white flower heads, and in the fall, the leaves blush red and the fruit glows in the sunlight, a plant as worthy in the woods as it is in our bucolic backyards. While these fruits may be beautiful, they are also packed with a variety of disagreeable, astringent, bitter, and sour compounds which render the berries generally distasteful. Despite this, they are not considered poisonous. With enough frosts and a healthy addition of sugar, New Englanders have for centuries canned a ruby-red cache of jam and jelly with a wild flavor that pulls and plays with the rich flavor of wild game. One of my favorite creations using highbush cranberry jelly is in a grilled cheddar cheese sandwich alongside horseradish, another crop best harvested after several frosts. But for most wildlife, it would appear that they only turn to the highbush cranberry once the tastiest of the other wild fruits have been consumed. Highbush cranberries are starvation food for wildlife for sure, but without their important calories and vitamins, many of our avian neighbors might not make it through the long, harsh winters of the northern tier. Perhaps that's not too far off from how we humans use the berries. Long after the strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and others have graced the sides of our berry baskets, the highbush cranberry is ready. The jelly has a proper place in our larder, for sure, but as a fruit, it is quite sour and much too bitter. It is a final fruit of the season, and if it happened to grace the calendar with other more delicious fruits, it would probably never be harvested. Fruit aside, there are a couple of other uses for the highbush cranberry that folks have made good use of across the plant's range. Now that most of the leaves of summer have fallen away, the careful observer might see that newer shoots of the shrub are long, thin, and straight. One might say, arrow straight. Not only is the fruit's acidity sharp, the dried shoots, stripped of their bark, fletched with goose quill, and tipped with iron or flint, have for centuries been a choice projectile for traditionally-minded hunters, fletchers, and Robin Hood wannabes. From shoot to fruit, this lowly shrub has staved off hunger for birds and humans since the dawn of time. So this weekend, you could head out with a basket in hand to harvest some of these wild highbush cranberries. As with all wild foods, it's best to take a trusted and well-informed guide to help you identify the correct berries, as not all berries are edible. If you do happen to make some jam from these fruit, I hope that you enjoy bringing some vibrant red glow to the snowy world around you in the dead of winter. 
You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology. (laughs) ¶¶